Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Oh, it is Super Bowl time here on the Mike Abadir Show. Gino Bacola as we get ready to tackle the big game. We were just talking, though, a little bit off uh, off air before the show started, Mike, and it's been a weird playoff season for the NFL because there have been some really big sports stories generally when the NFL dominates all of the stories over the last month or so. First with the in baseball with the Astros and the cheating scandal that kind of broke right in the middle of the playoffs, and then... Uh, the really sad news earlier this week with the the loss of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and, and seven others in a helicopter uh, crash. And we said we're not going to spend too much time on uh, on the Kobe stuff. But just to mention at the top, uh, as uh, we you know we live out here in L.A. Um, in Southern California, and this is a big deal all across the the U.S. and really all across the world. But this is it's it's hit us out here in uh, in SoCal really really hard because Kobe really was uh, SoCal for like twenty years, even longer. Does that surprise you a little bit? I guess just taking in this entire week, you know, I've been like, wow, Kobe's a lot more beloved than I realized. Yeah, no, I agree. Outside with that. of LA, because yeah. here's the thing, you know, like typically spe- there's usually when someone, when a player is really good, you know, the, the club he plays for in that surrounding area, they love him. And a lot of times it's not always that they become the enemy or hated, but Kobe kind of was one of those guys that was disliked around the league when he played. When did that turn? When think, when did he go from being the enemy to being beloved? I think because I think that was the main difference between yeah. him and Jordan. You know, people were clamoring to see Jordan wherever he went because he was so beloved everywhere. He'd, people became Bulls fans because of Jordan, which is ironic to me because to me Kobe has such a cooler personality. And I think maybe that's part of it. Like people kind of caught on or like, yeah. hey, Kobe's actually a cool dude. He's very – I think that's I, th- I think that's the point. Towards the end of his career, he 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 softened up in that he and, – and he had some really good quotes all over that, you know, if you read through. That's what's really been awesome the last couple of days is just the stories we've been hearing from everyone. Like how many different people had like an interaction with Kobe or a time where they felt like they called Kobe and asked him for some advice or something. And that's kind of the guy that I don't think a lot of people – knew he was people thought he was kind of a jerk as a teammate and stuff like that and i'll tell you from experience some of his the people he was closest with on the lakers were not the best players he didn't care how good you were he had a very good perspective he just cared how hard you work and how much you wanted it right and so like he loved sasha vujicic they were boys because sasha was like one of the toughest in practice he practiced really hard and he worked out with kobe and he liked guys that like fisher was his buddy and and people who were it didn't really matter if you were the best player on the court. And, and and so I think as he got a little bit older, he talked about how um, there, there are so many of these quotes that are like when you look back on it, it's like, wow, he said that. It's almost like he knew that he wasn't going to live long. He, there were a couple that are really – he said, you know, some people like to keep their – or like to keep everything inside. He said, but everything that I've learned, I really want to pass it on. And we've seen him in the last few years become a real big fixture in women's uh, coaching with his daughter, coaching club teams all over Southern California. Um, 
the Mamba Mentality Academies. And so I, I think with Kobe, it was like Jordan, and it's more so than even like liking Kobe. I think it's the stories and kind of the myth around Kobe because we just don't hear people discussed with the type of work ethic, the type of craziness. And also, Mike, to, to be honest, I think the fact that he just wasn't a perfect person makes a lot of people relate with him because none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We all, I mean, he, he's had mistakes from, um, you know, obviously the transgression, the sexual assault trial that was nobody really knew what happened there, but he didn't get charged. And then, um, you know, he, he battled with teammates here and there and he, he had issues with Shaq and then Phil Jackson said he was uncoachable and, you know, he had a, you know, a homophobic slur and stuff. But the, the thing about him is that he always seemed very real. And whenever he apologized for something, or it didn't seem like it was fake or phony. It seemed like he was like growing up in front of our eyes and we watched him learn from his mistakes and become a better person. The guy that we saw the last couple of years, how he was with his daughters. And I never thought that was him. I didn't think he would be the kind of guy who could turn off the intensity and then just go be a family man. And that was like that. That's where everybody I think really was like, wow. How about all the women who love him, the WNBA players? And they were like, man, he was like, helping our sport so much. And, and he was embracing the women. And I think we just all have kind of learned a lot about him over the last couple of days that we, that we didn't really know about him earlier on. Yeah, I mean, look, we get very limited insight into any of these professional athletes' lives and the real demeanor and what they're like off the field and outside of competition and, and that type of thing. So I, I've and I've known that for a long time. You know, I hear comments that people make and I'm like, they're so off base. It's not even worth trying to even address it because they really have no clue how somebody is. And, and a lot of it is based on kind of how the media maybe portrays somebody, uh, maybe as selfish when they're not or you know, maybe as even a great teammate when maybe they're kind of not actually, you know, deep down. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. you know, with Kobe, I think it was one of those things that I can't necessarily psychoanalyze it, but we got to keep in mind the era in which he came into the league um, and the age he came into the league. I think he probably had a really tough time assimilating with teammates. You know, he's 18 years old. It's not even legal to, to go, you know, into the bars and nightclubs and that type of thing. So I think he was excluded from a lot. Sure. And I'm not saying that he necessarily resented that. I just don't think that he necessarily formed a lot of bonds. And no. then when Shaq came, you know, to the, to the Lakers, it kind of overshadowed everything. Shaquille is this larger than life figure. And you know? their so personalities are totally they're different. They're totally different. They're, they're not alike at all. So no. I guess what I'm saying is, and I wish they had coexisted because I think it would have been, you know, a Two, dominant force of nature. Even. Sure. Yeah, just a dominant force of nature. But... I think we really saw who Kobe really was um, after, you know, and sure there, there was that period that you mentioned of, uh, you know, Colorado and what happened there. And uh, some of the other things that we heard, you know, you already mentioned them, you know, the Phil stuff, the Shaq stuff. I think he had an opportunity to finally have it be his team. Yep. And where he could really be comfortable in his own skin and to start mentoring. Like who was he going to mentor when he was 18, 19, 20, 21? Yeah. Uh, right. No, nobody. Right. And when he was learning, I think the perception kind of was he's a ball hog. You know, he was just learning how to be Kobe Bryant. Yeah. And I don't think he gets enough credit for that necessarily. And it's hard in basketball when you hoist up, uh, you, you know, 25, 30 plus shots. 
you know, and you lost the game by one. And you maybe went like eight for 28. Sure. You know what I mean? Like that, those, those things can be a little bit difficult. And it's easy to look at a stat sheet and blame somebody. But the guy had to get his shooting reps in to become Kobe Bryant, the lethal, you know, black mamba that he became. So, you know, I think when you look at his, the latter stages of his career, this, the part, you know, part, the part two is when we get maybe a better glimpse of who he was. But I agree with you 100%, man. It's very easy to, to be like, oh, what a Hollywood-esque move to take a helicopter to work every day. But then people started finding out, well, Why? there's a reason for it. It's not like Why he was a prima it? donna. Yeah. It's not like he necessarily... Throwing you know, money around for no reason. Exactly. Just, yep. you know, pissing money around. You know, it's like, like no, this actually had, there was some, some logic behind it. There was some functionality behind it. It was a means of being able to accomplish everything that you wanted to professionally and as a family man. He, he said that the 20 minutes taking the kids to and from school were important to him. Even if it well, was yeah, just I mean, when the you're dropping on, when them you're off on the road, you know, for, he said he'd 15 you know, out of 26 days, you may only get bits and pieces here and there. To and be, and to he be wanted to take advantage of that. And it's, it, it's, it's so sad too. Could you imagine like how, if, if this was just any person and, and all those people that Kobe was doing a favor for just giving him a ride, you know, that's really what it was. Yeah. Can you imagine how cool that would have been? Like, oh man, we're gonna go in Kobe's helicopter down there. Like, that's that's how, what a nice. We don't have to go in the traffic. We get to leave a little later. Like, it, oh man, we're gonna take pictures and like it. Just, it's so sad. It's so uh, sad. It, it kind of tells. I mean, not to get too necessarily overly spiritual or religious or whatever. It does kind of show you. You know, when it's your time, it's your time. God is the only yeah. one that knows that. And you know, when you, even when you hear little snippets, like apparently, what, like 20, 30 more feet, and they would have cleared the hill. No, yeah. that's it. Just a matter of, I mean, that's... There were like what, 10 different what, like things five, that had to go wrong. It's 5 to 10 yeah. yards for running back. <laughs> you know, if he gets 5 to 10 more yards on this play, 9 lives, you know, 9 people live. I mean, that that's how thin of a margin it was between being able to have this be a non-story or, or a crisis. Let me ask you this, and I don't mean uh, to, for us to try to select, you know, somebody that's, that would pass necessarily, but... If any, I, I can't think of anybody else, maybe besides the Pope, that if he would have passed last Sunday in a helicopter crash, I know he takes the helicopter, so it is kind of relevant, but anybody else in the world that would have got this kind of reaction? I mean, I was no, really I, thinking about it, and I was like, you know, I don't think it would be our president or any other president around the world. You know, maybe the Pope, because he's just so beloved globally. I, I can't I don't think know, of an maybe, athlete. Maybe a Beyonce? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, like, if you're talking about athletes, I can't think of one. This was anybody, very... Anything. This was comparable, not comparable, but like um, it, it was kind of like Michael Jackson type thing because mm -hmm. um, it was so – and that's the thing. He he impacted so many generations, right? Yes. And if you're someone like me, I was nine years old when Kobe was 17 and started playing for the Lakers. You know, he's uh, eight, nine years older than me total. So my entire life, like I was a – Kobe is a constant. You yeah. know, winning, winning and losing – Sure, and good teams and bad teams, you know, ups and downs. But he's a constant. It's it, and I remember being sad that the last night when he was retiring, and, and this is is I, I just can't comprehend, you know. And and we said I knew it was big, a big deal. You knew it was a big deal, but then to see the responses from everyone, because um, one for some of the people who didn't like Kobe, um, and I hadn't heard talk, them talk about this in months prior before he passed away or anything what they had kind of come to a conclusion and said you know what i might have been a little bit wrong on kobe because every 
single player will never say a bad word about him. And that's always that's always interesting when all of the players who have a different perspective than us as fans or you as an agent or you know us as viewers or customers or whatever we are, the players always have a, a different perspective of who are the real dogs, who are the real, real tough guys to guard, tough plays, tough players to defend. You know, that's another thing. People don't give don't even mention we talk about his greatness. He was an unbelievable defender. An incredible defender, all defense, uh, like almost his entire career until he got hurt. Um, he, you know, you think he's a ball hog as people would talk about, but then you look at his numbers and how many years where he had four or five, even one year where he averaged six assists a game. Like that's not a ball hog, you know. If you if you're if you're getting that many assists and you're getting guys involved too, um, it's uh, yeah, it's sad. I mean, we could we could spend you know hours kind of going going through everything and all the big moments and 81 points and scoring 62 and through three quarters and outscoring the Mavericks and the lob with Shaq and the big dunks and but but to me kind of like as my final thought what I think is the um is one of the really special things about about uh, all of this is that when everybody's remembering him or when you're seeing like pictures and, and a lot of things shared online I'm not seeing very many with Kobe in his Laker jersey or holding up the trophy I'm seeing that that clip of him with his daughter sitting courtside earlier this year where they're talking and they're he, you could tell she's picking his brain and they're joking back and forth and they're laughing. I'm seeing the clip of him on Kimmel talking about his daughters and his family and how good she was and how he thought she really had it. And I'm seeing the clip of him and his daughter when when they ask, "Do you think you could beat him one-on-one?" Like we're not I'm not seeing a lot of the Laker stuff as much as I'm seeing the family man version of Kobe, which to me, uh, I, I really love. And that hits home for me as someone who just recently um, ha- has a little one. I can't even comprehend what Vanessa and their family is going through and all the other families too. Uh, it's unfortunate that we don't know enough about all these other people to be able to truly give them tributes and and, and honor them the way we we are with Kobe. We just, we know this guy who's been such a public figure of, you know, our whole life, a lot of our lives. So uh, just, uh, I really love seeing uh, what what a family man and what a great coach he, and 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 how he was. Um, you know, a lot of good players can't do that, Mike. You know, Magic Johnson or like some some great players, they can't be coaches because they can't comprehend that other people can't do what they can do. But he seemed to be very patient and understand, you know, everyone's skill level and, and what they needed to do. And and uh, you know, very very sad. And this one's going to stay stay with us and it's going to hit me for a long time. Yeah, and uh, you know. On, on that on that note or on that thought, you know, uh, because there's been a part of this week that I felt has been um, a little bit overkill. And, you know, I try to, you know, I try to listen and watch and and uh, assume that everybody's intentions are sincere or not to, you know, profit from it or not to. Whatever you know what I mean um, about about a death, commercialize it too much and that type of thing. But at what point in time does it start getting silly with all the eight and the twenty four stuff? And now it's implemented yeah. in the All Star game. I, I, to me, I'm kind of like, ah, I don't know, man. Like, I think there's a lot of cool ways to honor somebody that's that's a hero, somebody that's so beloved. But um, you know, it started off with the shot clocks. Okay, we're going to, you know, start off with a 24-second violation. And then it was like, okay, we'll do eight, and then you'll do 24. Now we're going to play an all-star game and count to, you know, whatever the heck they're doing. Um, I don't know, man. Like, some of it... I, I know, don't... I, I don't just, don't, to like, me, this doesn't seem like mourning. Like, I'm in mourning. You know, it seems just like, hey, let's 
keep this. I don't know. I, yeah, there, I, I, can, I can't really tone, describe it. There, no, I know what you're saying. There's some tones, and I'm seeing like a lot of shops popping up with like limited edition Kobe Bryant T-shirts or shoes or things like that. You know that they're selling right after this. Um, I don't mind. I don't like it if it feels forced. I don't like things that become mandated. I never mind if the players and the teams make thing make th- do things on their own. Make a gesture. Mark Cuban came out and said, "Hey, no one's ever wearing a number 24 from the map for the maps." And some of the players that want to change their jerseys um, because they don't want to be, you know, Kobe's number, that that's fine. Or if they want to do it next year, or if they end up retiring and nobody wears that number anymore in a year or two or three, whenever, that's fine. I kind of agree with you. There are some. There are some things that I'm kind of scratching my head. Like the, I don't think the All Star Game needed changing. Um, I I think that the tributes at the beginning were fine. I'm very glad that they canceled the Laker uh, Clipper game because I just thought that that was going to be a really hard game to play um, for for both of these teams who are, are very close with with Kobe. And I'm glad they got a, a few extra days off before they played that. But I I agree. There were it's, it's what's 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 tough about social media. There's just um, some things just give you a weird taste in your mouth when you look around and they kind of it, it, it don't feel right. And uh, I like all the individual tributes. I like all the the people coming out with their stories. To me, the, the, that's what I, I I took the most from these last few days is the stories from his friends, from the other players that he people you thought hated him, from uh, famous athletes and actors and um, uh, from all other sports that he would call and, and pick their brain and writers and reporters. And he just he loved talking to the best people in their fields. He loved figuring out how they prepare. And he even mentioned Michael Jackson as like. That's that's why he worked so hard. He watched Michael Jackson and how he prepared for going on tour and doing his shows. And he kind of laughed and he said, you know, I I wasn't modeling after Michael Jordan. It was uh, it was Michael Jackson. Yeah, I mean, actually, the the uh, many might forget, but just because we were here in L.A., Michael Jackson, when he passed away, he was actually uh, at Staples Center every day preparing for that next upcoming show or whatever was happening. So he was here locally. And so I'm guessing I know some people, obviously, that worked at uh, Staples Center before. And, uh, yeah, like a lot of the employees and the players would come out and just watch them uh, rehearse and stuff like that. Extremely meticulous. Um, yeah, I mean, very, very similar personalities. You know, he was the Kobe Ryan of, of singers and, and, and performers. And, uh, and, and, you know, Kobe was the MJ, uh, Michael Jackson MJ of, uh, you know, of basketball. So it is kind of interesting that you say that. I also think that maybe at some point in time, too, he maybe wanted to start staying clear. You know, you didn't see as much of necessarily the tongue out and the like the almost like obsessive kid over Michael Jordan and wanting to be just like Michael Jordan. I think at some point he also wanted to redefine and like, I'm me and I'm, you know, that type of thing, which is cool too. So, you know, it's funny. We, we said we weren't going to spend the entire uh, time talking about Kobe, but here we are end of the first segment. Let's just focus on the Super Bowl. Stay with us. We will be back right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. 
The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at com. Now, back to this week's program. We are back here on the Mike Abadir Show coming up on segment two, and we're going to shift the, the focus over to the big game coming up this weekend. And Mike, we have a guest on the line to talk about the Super Bowl with us. Yeah, and actually, before we do, another sad note that I just uh, am seeing right now for the first time, um, don't know when this uh, was announced, but uh, John Andretti of the famous uh, Mario Andretti race team family has uh, passed away. So uh, kind of a rough week for uh, legends. Yeah, sports, yeah. Yeah, he was actually battling cancer for a while. So the Andretti race team just announced that. But Let's, um, you know, one of the things about the uh, Super Bowl, it's been quite overshadowed this week uh, with the obvious, uh, you know, focus being on the uh, passing of uh, Laker legend Kobe Bryant. And, um, you know, and like we said at the top of the show, we were kind of joking around like, hey, when's the Super Bowl? Is it is it this week or when? You know, because it's kind of been a forgotten about thing. But I think one thing that will do, Gino, is it will serve to be, you know, a pretty nice reminder for uh, – or an escape for a lot of those who, uh, you know, really can't wrap their head around this thing. The true Kobe Bryant fans, the the Laker fans, the Angelinos and the others around the world. We've got a big game and uh, it should it should be a pretty good one. So no better to talk to about football, NFL and defenses than the mad backer Adrian Ross. Big A, what is up, my man? Hey, Big A. What's going on, fellas? What's going on? How you doing? Super Bowl. I'm doing good. Doing good. I can't wait. Bart Bart Scott can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's uh, let's get this started with uh, this question. Um, for years and years and years, we heard about defense wins championships in football, and you know we've seen that time and time again. The teams that get the hype are the passing teams, the teams with this quick strike. Um, in in recent memory, though. You know, I, I look at like the Seattle team when they dominated a, a red hot Peyton Manning or, you know, there's so many examples all the way back to the 49ers when they stopped Dan Marino when his record breaking season. Bringing it to this year, because there's a lot of talk about the Niners defense and, and Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. Is it really kind of relatable 
because when I kind of look at the Niners defense, I'm a little bit confused because they give up a lot of points, especially in the second half of the year. And I know from a personnel perspective, they're rock solid, especially up front. What's your take on their defense? Oh, my take is, um, I mean, you know, real, real solid defense. And I think that they had some injuries. You know, I think like kind of how you said, like through one stretch there, they, you know, Quan, Quan went out. I think one of the D tackles were out. Uh, they had a couple of DBs out. So, you know, but, but that's what happens up in, up in the National Football League season. You know, you got to be able to withstand those injuries. You know, it's like how Kansas City, you know, uh, Mahomes was out. Uh, I think after you messed that game up was against Denver, I think. And, um, you know, and then you also get some, get some different people that, that are going to enter the lineup. Um, there's been a change in, uh, the secondary of the Niners, uh, you know, at corner. And, uh, I think they put in, uh, I think his name is Mosley. Mosley for uh, Witherspoon, you know, Witherspoon's actually out of Sacramento. Uh, just, just real, real in-depth team, but I do think that it is like the other games that you mentioned, where the defense, to me, is going to overshadow the offense and the hype of the offense. <laughs> to me, what I love about these two get? squads, what squads too, is we're getting to see some real creative minds on the coaching staffs in here too, and. Right. Like offensively, which is with these two is we know how, how good Andy Reid has been really in every game up until the Super Bowl. So he's got to get the big one now. But <laughs> with, with Shanahan, what I love, too, is you know we saw Kansas City stop Henry a little bit last week. But he's that different animal than the running game they're going to face this week because it's not going to be necessarily coming right up the gut like Henry was. With Shanahan, there's all sorts of pre-snap movement and motion and they're taking different angles and they're coming around the sides like he's really creative with the way that they run the ball definitely um you know uh you explain that very well um the offense that they kind of run is very similar to what i had at colorado state um because i was there in college when shanahan was at the broncos so our offense was basically like there is with the zone stretch with this basically zone stretch reads trying to get your D-line to move sideways and let the back cut off of it. And I think that, like Mike said, up front they have basically all first-round picks. <laughs> so if you want yeah. to talk about a strength and, you know, and to, um, you know, for the Niners, like that's those guys up front on the, on the flip side going after the quarterback, that's what you want. And that's why you draft those guys that high. And that's what everybody's looking for out there is guys that go go and get the quarterback. So you have this big passing attack in uh, Mahomes, and then you have the 49er run game. And like you said, with uh, Shanahan, he's doing a lot of motioning and a lot of shifting, and he's just trying to find the dummy. And that's that's as much as the offense is hyped, I, I think it's going to be about Kansas City's defense and Spagnola. And like you said, they, they shut down Henry um, and, and made – Made the Titans go ahead and go ahead and pass the ball, and uh, I want to see I want to see what they're going to be able to do with this uh, creative run game from the Niners. So if if the Chiefs are going to put up a lot of points, how would you attack the 49ers defense? Because the Chiefs, you know, the thing about them is it's it's funny because you know typically when you're looking at a Super Bowl matchup, at least one side has a thousand yard rusher, and in this matchup, right, you don't, you know. 
uh, Raheem Mostert, who's you know been a kind of a cast off really up until this point, up until this season, he has the most rushing yards of any of the running backs on both teams at 772. I don't remember when's the last time that we saw that. Now the Niners use you know three or four guys in a rotation, so kind of cumulatively it adds up to a lot. But uh, you know the Chiefs, I mean, I think they almost run just to kind of try to keep your opponent off balance. But if they, you know, if they could, they'd just pass on every down. Is that a, a formula to, to be able to attack the Niners' defense? And and if not, what will they have to do in order to win this game? No, definitely. Like they're going to have to uh, run the ball so that you know those those guys up front on the line can't just tee off and just start just just pass rush the quarterback all the time. So they're definitely going to have to get uh, creative with the run, which which they have been. You know, like they've they've also kind of done like the Niners, and they have their gadget players and uh, with 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 some speed. You know, I'm talking about some world class speed. So they you know jet jet sweeps and options and screens. So um, it's definitely going to be a, a strategic battle from from these coordinators and from these coaches. Um, for me, how 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 I feel Kansas City should should attack the Niners since they have the speed is I think that you know how we saw in the Green Bay game. You know we saw Devontae Adams get uh, behind Sherman, and uh, you know I would have to test out the legs of the OG. You know I mean he you know Sherman's my guy and um, love. Love how he plays. You know, he's getting up there in age. He's never been the, you know, a speed burner guy. Um, but, uh, you know, with the two wide receivers they have that are so fast, um, you know, I would kind of make it a track meet. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> you, you know, I'd try to run him off and see how the Niners are going to try to protect Sherman or how they're going to play that coverage. And then, uh, you know, to me, I guess I'm guessing that the Niners are going to try to match up one-on-one with their linebackers versus Kelsey. Because the Niners have some pretty good linebackers, and like that's that's what's been hard for a lot of teams going against them is uh, you know they're trying to stop the speed uh, from a Tyreek Hill and uh, Nicole Hardiman, and um, you know and then Kelsey eats you up. But I think that the Niners have some backers that'll be able to cover, and uh, that's how they're going to play it. You know, it's really such a fascinating matchup, too, because there's there's a lot of strength on strength for both of these teams. And you mentioned a good point there with uh, the, the the 49ers backers and like, what they do with their their front four where they never even really have to blitz. They get all that pressure and they get all those QB hits from Armstead, Bosa, Buckner, Ford. They're never really sending anybody else. So it, it just helps their coverage that much more. But then, like you mentioned, too, with Sherman, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see he'll be able to go by Sherman once or twice because that's some speed that you don't see every week, especially when you have Hardman on the other side and then you're, you're trying to, you know, keep focus on Kelsey in the middle of the field. So it's just, it's a really, I'm, I'm really pumped for this game because there's so many things you look at and you go, well, I guess something's got to give there, right? It's going to be strength on strength. Yeah, strength on strength. And then, you know, I think that's that's where the Mahomes factor comes in at differently than all these other quarterbacks, he has such great arm strength that he changes the game on, you know, on when these guys are getting open and how fast the ball is getting there. When you, like how you said, all these other teams have to blitz to be able to create pressure, and then he's seeing the blitz. Uh, Or, you know, you're blitzing, and then now your guys are one-on-one. And, you know, this uh, chess match is going to be very interesting uh, to see how it plays out. Uh, But, uh, 
up front on the Kansas City side, I I don't I don't think they're going to be able to stop that run game. But you know, if Kansas City, um, which I don't think, you know, I, I think that uh, the pressure that the Niners will be able to create will kind of like Tennessee did early in the um, game. You know, they they brought pressure and made um, made them home get out the pocket, made it made them throw the ball early, and they got down. Um, I see the same thing happening, but I think the Niners will be able to to sustain it and keep him off the field a little bit longer with uh, success in the um, success in the run game and play action game. Let's say hypothetically that the Chiefs are up seventeen to six at halftime. Do you think that when, at what point do you think Shanahan actually trusts Jimmy G to bring them back? <laughs> Because I see him still running the ball. We saw that uh, twice, actually, in, in comeback situations. We saw, we saw that against Arizona, where they continued to run the ball, and we saw that uh, also against the, the, the Seahawks. There were a couple of key throws, I think, to Kittle and, uh, and one to uh, Debo. But uh, for the most part, they, they kind of just, you know, used the run game uh, to, to get chunks of yards do you think that's a, a formula that could work, work in a Super Bowl? You know, or with Andy Reid, is that going to be an opportunity then to really just uh, you know tee off defensively and to be able to pad that lead, force Jimmy G into you know an interception? He's kind of been error prone. I think I think the only person yeah. that's thrown more interceptions in high leverage situations, I believe, is uh, Winston uh, and Jameis Winston and Baker Mayfield. Wow, yeah, he he he's been known to throw him. He, he throws the ball high a lot, and um, you know I think the other side, you know, guy that's probably up for defensive player of the year is the Honey Badger. You know, he's he's uh, he's I guess been the missing piece because <laughs> uh, you know I, I didn't I, I didn't see this defense. Um, it seemed like you know when you go back to the off season, it seemed like they almost dismantled the defense, you know, like they let Houston go and, <laughs> you know, they, they were supposed to revamp the corners and brought in these different guys. And I was like, Oh, like that's a wrap for them, you know, but then they went and got Frank Clark and then they, they, uh, signed Suggs late. So if they get down like that, then I almost see that it even kind of makes the Kansas city defense be stronger. Uh, like you said, with having Garoppolo have to put the ball up there, um, you know, their corners aren't necessarily that um, overly skilled, but they are pretty pretty skilled. And uh, I don't think Shanahan is uh, <laughs> would trust him. So I think at that score, I still think he'd feel comfortable with still still banging the ball out with the run and the play action. Let it be so 21. So bottom line, <laughs> trouble. So, so bottom line, who wins and why? I think the Niners win. The Niners win um, because of the pressure that they're going to be able to put on on Mahomes and uh, the secondary scheme, and just um, the Forty Niners linebacker is going to do a good job in uh, defending Kelsey. So he's not going to have that outlet that he's uh, been able to have in the past, and you know, sit there and hold the ball, wait, wait for the guys to run deep, and wait for them to run, run away from DBs. He's not going to have that time. Are you thinking it's going to be high scoring, low scoring? That's a tough one. I think it'll be. I, I, 
I won't say high, high or low. I'll say mid. I think it'll be twenties. Uh, yeah, in the twenties. Yeah, and you could tell by the nature 20s. of my question. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, and, and to our listeners out there, I'm sure you could tell by the nature of, of like at least my questions. I'm I'm having a really tough time kind of handicapping this. Well, you know, because so Mike, I'm you almost and I like were, picking Adrian. Yeah, yeah I'm we like picking really Adrian's brain this if, year. You you and I both. So we've been dead wrong on them most of the year. So I don't it's know. Like, now it, Adrian, just so good, you know, I've yeah. been anti 49ers the whole year. I'm like they don't have a quarterback. You know, this I is a passing play. league. You don't win without passing the ball. It's no longer a running league. And everything that I said just go the opposite, and that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well. I'll go with you there because, like, you know, what I will say is in breaking down the Niners, they're they're actually running super basic plays. And like you said, he all the window dressing with the motions and the shift, he's making it look complicated. And all they're doing is making one person either not move or one person move out the way, and you're having simple runs that are going for 20, 30, 10, 8, 9 yards. I mean, you know, the last game – they came against Green Bay. They came out in the second half. First play out from second half. They lined. They came out in tens, two tight ends, <laughs> two running backs, one wide receiver, and ran the ball all the way down the field. Right and Green Bay set in a three-four. You know, and <laughs> you know, it's like when you look at all the teams during the playoffs. Um, even even on the AFC side, that's what was happening, and that's how Henry had a success. You know, they were teams were three, four teams, and they were only coming out in two and three, three down linemen trying to stop the run. Well, Kansas City um, stopped Henry, and Spagnola then was one of the first to ever come out, at least with four down linemen. <laughs> so, is, this, is, it, is it fair to say then, you know, a base four three that stays disciplined, that doesn't bite, should have a lot more effectiveness against that offense? Definitely. Definitely, and that's what that's what scares me is something that you've just been so successful at doing, like kind of how you said, if they get down, like what happens now? <laughs> we haven't seen those plays. We haven't seen you have to run, you know, those plays over and over and over to get back into the game and actually score points like that. So I, I don't think that it would it would look good for the Niners if the Chiefs were able to get out, get out early um, because they're just – they their main success has has been coming off the run in the play action. Good stuff, Adrian. Are you going to be so live tweeting very during the game or doing any up the seam yep. videos or anything that people can follow? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get after it. Go ahead, go ahead and check me out on Adrian Ross on Instagram and check me out Mad Backer on Twitter. Mad with two D's. Check me out. I'm gonna be giving it up. I have Good my stuff, breakdowns man. now. I'm actually gonna load them up on a. I'm gonna load them up on YouTube. You gotta see my Tennessee Titan and my last Niners breakdown. All I right. call them Merc yeah. sessions. <laughs> okay, love yeah, it. Thank you, man. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Thanks, Adrian. Appreciate it, my man. Enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend. All right, you guys too. Thanks. Thank you. Always love having the Mad backer on, Gino. Let's take our final time out. We'll give our predictions and maybe talk a little uh, baseball for a quick second. Big trade news uh, rumors are filling airwaves. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> Let's take a quick final time out. We'll be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. This week on The Revolution, the boys are in pursuit of fur. Listen in as Jim and Trav convene a panel of pros to talk winter predator hunting strategies, coyotes, mountain lions, wolves, hogs, and more. They'll offer timely and effective tips and tactics for hunting predators in your region. Joining the boys is Jana Waller of Skullbound TV and Steve West from Steve's Outdoor Adventures. The Revolution is presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here, final segment on the Mike Abadir Show. So, um, yeah, Mike, let's big thanks to AD, the mad backer. love when he's able to break down the break down the games for us uh really good insight and you could hear he just you're a player you, he just sees things he knows the schemes he knows things a little bit different than when we were watching film when from from just being i, I was out just of trying to extract something to help me figure this out me too and so so here's what i'm gonna do because you and i have had a bad opinion on the 49ers most of the year i'm not gonna play this game straight up i'm gonna give you a bunch of props that I like because that's what's great about this Super Bowl game. Don't feel like because it's the the Super Bowl you're forced to play. Now keep in mind, I, I'm I'm gonna make, make as a prediction. I'm gonna stick with Kansas City. My prediction before the year was Kansas City uh, versus the Eagles. And that was my Super Bowl. So I, I had two two teams that made the playoffs, um, and I and I picked Kansas City to win it all. I kind of thought last year was kind of their their growing pains year, and this would be the year. And we even talked about like. Midway, later part of the season, everybody was talking about the Ravens and how good they were and the 49ers and how good they were. And Mahomes was just flying really under the radar after he got hurt. You didn't really hear a whole lot about him for the second half of the season. So they kind of felt like a team that were that were were starting the trend in the right direction. There wasn't a lot of buzz. So here are some of the things that that I'm going to play some of these props. If you're someone who likes the 49ers. Look at the the MVP props and the player to score touchdown props. You can get someone like Tevin Coleman. William Hill was 50 to 1, Kittle was 15, Samuel was 18 to 1. I think I saw Bosa at 100 to 1. I don't know if that could have been right. Uh, like in 
So there are a lot of different ways to That's go. That's interesting, you, by the way, because if it's going to be Bosa, I think it's going to have to be more than the fact that he got two or even three sacks. It would mean that there's a defensive return. Yeah. And so, so he, in, in a way, and, and he's probably one of the, I'd say, top three guys that has a chance to get a defensive return. Because usually, how's it going to happen? It's going to be, well, there's usually sack, three ways, right? You know, you could have one of the pick DBs six. take it for the house, pick six. You could have a linebacker take it for the house, pick six. Or you could have one of the D linemen force a fumble and the one right next to him to pick, pick it, it up, up and return it. Sometimes it's the same guy. He strips it. You know, or it's like a one fluid move. He kind of like takes it out of the quarterback's hand and goes all the way. So if you're getting 100 to 1 on a defensive return, I mean, I would say anything above 33 to 1 on a defensive, and I'm guessing a 12 defensive return, if you look at it normally, it would be what, 12 to 1 or something? So yeah. that's, that's fantastic on the Bosa play. Yeah. So to, it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, in the, the defensive return, I like this one. Will. There be a defensive or special teams touchdown. Mm. Okay, so we've talked about how Garoppolo doesn't mind throwing the ball around a little bit, right? Um, the 49ers have five defensive touchdowns this year. Garoppolo also has a pick six. Kansas City has a kick return for a touchdown and three defensive touchdowns. So when you get this, the yes on this is plus 190. Will there be a defensive or special teams touchdown? I would not be shocked to see an interception return for the 49ers. Like you just mentioned, a strip sack return. I wouldn't shock me if Jimmy G, you know, threw a ball. The 49ers fumbled the ball a little bit and turned it over earlier in the year. And I like that at plus 190. Hey, and then you let get me the ask opportunity you a for kick returns from, from Hill and from Nicole Hardman. The, kick returns let me ask and you a question. Returns. What if you picked the five most likely guys to get returns? Like, there's probably five guys between those five, if there was a return, there's like an 80% chance it would and come they're, from one of those five. What if you did all of those separately? Yeah. And like, so what if you did all those separately? One, D Ford's yeah. 150 to one. Bose is 100 to one. You know, I think the, that's those the way are, to go then to take that the, plus 190 and turn yep. it into a lot more. Yeah. So, and, and um, so or, I think, or maybe, total, maybe just to, to not have to worry about. Man, I can't well, believe no, it. Like, they, they so and so back each other. They complement each other. If you like that and, you, and you're going to play, will there be a defensive? You might as well throw 10 or 20 bucks on a bunch of these long shots that sure. are 100 plus to one, you know? Sure. Um, Maybe take total, Honey Badger, take a couple of the, the speedy yeah. returners. Sure, you know, absolutely. And, uh, Clark maybe and Frank a Clark on and Suggs. Side, something. 100 yeah. to one and 150 to one on Frank Clark and, and Suggs on, uh, on William Hill right now. Um, no, I, I think like you're the, onto something there. Yeah, I like the under. This is good inter- stuff, you know. I thought you were going to come at me with um, how many times Shakira is going to shake her ass. Or oh, we got, we'll get one of those for you. Okay, okay, don't you worry. Don't you worry. Okay. I know you're but, good uh, for that always. Total pass completions for Jimmy G, it's 21. Under. He's, he's had 17 passes under. in two playoff games. I think that's a dead under. It's I, I moved up that, from like 19 to 21, so I'm going under. If they complete, does that mean does does that kind of tell you though that they think that the Chiefs are going to have the lead? Yeah, I think people are assuming that and that they're going to have to throw the ball, but they can. I mean, they they beat Seattle twice, or they beat Seattle and he was eighteen for 22. If they're throwing the ball, it's not going to be good for San Francisco, and and he could have thirty attempts and not twenty one completions. Sure. So that doesn't necessarily mean because he's throwing it a lot, they're going to be a ton of completions. So I'm going to go the under there. Um, here's another one, and these two are kind of uh, uh, related. Even money on the team to score first. I mean, I'm just going to go San Francisco here. They got um, 
the Chiefs got behind against Baltimore and against New England. The Chiefs uh, scored first only eight of their 18 games. Both playoff games, they were behind. The 49ers scored first in 12 of their 18 games, including both playoff games. 49ers scored first against Seattle, Green Bay both times, and Minnesota. And so that's even money of the 49ers I would take at, at minus 110. And then this one I like, the team that scores first and wins. No is plus 130. Kansas City had a, street, a string this year where they had eight consecutive games that, that were the non-Matt Moore games, because I think those are harder to, to gauge. He, he, this isn't the set, that same team. So eight games in a row that without Matt Moore, when the team that did not score first won. All six of the games that Mahomes played this year against playoff teams, the losing team scored first. Interesting. So that that was one that I, I was kind of all over. Um, and then... Uh, I like the longest touchdown scored. It's even money over 44 and a half. I mean, this is for both sides, right? We're talking about Watkins, Har- um, Hill, Hardman. Um, Watkins and Hardman both. So even have- if it's a punt return for 80 or a kick return for, eight, sure. for 103, that's fine. That, yep. that works. Yep. And we're talking about. So it doesn't have to be from the, uh, from the line of scrimmage. No, longest touchdown scored. So they, they had three plus 45 yard touchdowns. And then we're talking about, you know, Debo or could the 49ers break a run? Absolutely. Um, and I also like the under, and this is the last, uh, I got two more of this one, the under of the longest field goal made. It's 48 and a half. I don't even know if these teams are going to try field goals over 45. Robbie Gold was only one for five this year in field goals over 48 yards. And the one that he hit was last week against Green Bay or a couple weeks ago against Green Bay when that was just kind of, I think it was just, hey, let's get some extra points on the board here. If they're going up and down, both of these coaches might get aggressive. I don't know if they're going to try to kick a 50-yard field goal here. And it basically has to be a 49-yard field goal to beat you. you know. So I'm going to go under on that one at, at minus 110. And then the last one for me, Mike, before we get your analysis, which Jennifer Lopez song will be sung first during the halftime show. Did some uh, did some research here. Looked at this one. We're going to be waiting for tonight. Whoa, when you would be here in my arms. Does that seem like <laughs> the first one that you're going to sing? You've been waiting for tonight. It's the Super Bowl. That's plus 1,000. Waiting for tonight as the first Jennifer Lopez song. Now, there might be a Shakira song before that. But the first J-Lo song, I'm saying it's waiting for tonight. All right. All right. Well, um, before I get into all that, for any of the people that are out there that make wagers late in the game, uh, late in the process, I should say, uh, always take a look when you're talking about Miami. Every Gulfstream player knows this. Look at the weather forecast. As of right now, it's 80% chance for rain, thunderstorms on Saturday all the way until about 2 a.m. So as things change, you know, could that, you know, bleed over into Sunday as well? So that's something to consider, especially yep. if you're going for some of those, uh, you know, kicking type of uh, uh, wagers, you know, over under 48 and a half yards or whatever it was that you said, you know what I mean? So, uh, and then and then completions and, and running the ball and that type of stuff. So if you're not making your wages, say, until Sunday morning, Take a quick peek. Can't hurt to at least be well-informed. We all remember that Super Bowl in Miami between the Bears and the Colts ended up being a monsoon. Uh, For me, Gino, I give out the same two props every single year. You might remember over on sacks, over on INTs. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the losing quarterback by himself goes over on INTs because there's no tomorrow. So you're going to be airing it out. Hail Marys, you know, before the half and before the end of the game. And then 
I mean, these two teams should probably pile up the sacks on one another. Even if Mahomes is running into an opponent for a sack, you're going to get credit for it. Mm-hmm. So those are the two that I like in terms of prop bets. And with just a few minutes left, I mean, what? So like, if I had to lean, I'm leaning Kansas City. But I really like, it, it, as far as all the analysis is like breaking these two teams down. The 49ers just don't like they don't have a lot of weaknesses on defense. I think the real key is is and um, AD mentioned this a little bit. It's the opposite side of Richard Sherman, where Witherspoon was playing. He was ranked 50 of uh, 95 corners and they replaced Witherspoon with Mosley and Mosley's a little bit better, but they both are, uh, are likely to kind of allow a free release here and there. And, and that's, you can't do that against Kansas city. You just can't Mahomes will just pick you apart. And so if there's a little weakness on the opposite side of Sherman, I think that's where they attack. And when you have Hill and Hardman and Kelsey, it's hard to, Focus in on one of them because the other one can beat you with their speed. I think that's the way you try to beat them. I think it's going to be a good game. I really do. And I think we're going to see Patrick Mahomes with the ball and a chance to win the game late. And I think he I think he will do that. And that would be my prediction. Like you, I had the uh, Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Yep. There were yep. one of my teams, them and the Saints. Actually, I yep. had the Chiefs in, in the Super Bowl the year before. You did. It was kind yeah, of a long shot at that time. That, that year, I think, um, right? Yeah, I'm sorry? I think you did. Yeah, I think you had a exactly. winning it all two years before. Yeah. Uh, so... What I'm going to say is I'm I actually my gut instinct tells me it's going to be a blowout, you know. I don't know why. It's not based on anything except for remember that old term super blowout, we had so many of those. Mm-hmm. I kind of have a feeling this one is going to be like that. The reason I say that is because you've got two new teams into this. You don't have like veteran teams that have been there before that have a lot of playoff experience. Overall, these are relatively new to the, uh, the you know, to this type of pressure. Environment, um, yeah. You know, and I think the thing that's been most impressive about Garoppolo is that he's handled pressure pretty well. He seems like a pretty calm, cool, and collected guy, but nobody's experienced anything like the Super Bowl. I think Mahomes is way more equipped to handle it because his dad was a pro. He's been around pros his whole life. This is probably something that's kind of up his alley in terms of being able to handle the magnitude of the situation. Um so I'm going to say that it's going to be a blowout. On paper, I, I just feel that the Chiefs' offense is more real than the Niners' defense. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Only because I, I've just seen, to me, a great defense doesn't give up, uh, you know, in the second half of the year, averaging almost 25 points a game, which they did. So... You know, to me, I think that the, the the Chiefs offense will win out over the 49ers defense. And I think the score is going to be 37 to 23, Kansas City. Yeah, let's get some Chiefs in waiting for tonight. Whoa. <laughs> That's all the, the time that we've got this week, Gito. Um, I hope it's a good game. I hope I'm, I'm, I'm wrong about that piece. I hope it's one of those things that comes down to the wire because those are always way more fun. But I'm expecting a super blowout. Kansas City is going to stamp their name in the history books as the winners of Super Bowl 54. Thanks for listening. As always, enjoy a tremendous sports weekend. We'll be watching with heavy hearts for the legend Kobe Bryant, but we're excited that we've got two good teams in the championship and uh, hope that this uh, Sunday kind of helps us uh, forget the pain for a few hours. See you same time, same place next week. 
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. We'll be right back.